Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rizil and I'm the host of the show where I get to have conversations with Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. Today we have Nashawn Garrett of USA Wrestling. Nashawn is an incredible human being, super wise, super experienced for have for having done what he's been doing. I mean, he went 37-0, uh, graduated from Cornell, is an interesting, incredible all-around athlete and person, and I am so grateful that I had the opportunity to speak with him and to him about his life and, and ask him questions and see what he's doing. So his story's great. Um, as I said, he, he went undefeated in his senior year at Cornell, won the NCAA championship. He has a lot of accolades that you know you'll hear us talk about throughout the episode he also went to the 2016 olympic trials and did not qualify due to a slightly controversial occurrence it was very interesting how he explains it and he takes full responsibility which i think is just you know as you listen to him you'll understand why that makes sense but at the same time it was a very awful way for him to not be able to go to the olympics but he is getting ready and excited for the 2020 um tokyo game so we're very excited again we have nation garrett first have you ever wanted to create your own podcast i did and it's been one of the best decisions i ever made it is a way to gain relationships to make yourself an expert and thought leader also a great way to brand yourself and just get your content out there so more people know who you are and what you're doing um, and through launchingpodcast.com there's easy step-by-step video course on how to create your very own podcast i was able to do that and i've had an absolutely incredible time doing it um, highly suggested if you're interested check out launchingpodcasts.com Use promo code Mike, you get $50 off their step-by-step video course. That's launchingpodcast.com, promo code Mike, for $50 off. All right, today, very special guest, Nashawn Garrett, USA Wrestling 2020 Olympic hopeful, born August 21st, 1993 in Chico, California, started wrestling at the age of 13, is a two-time CIF state champion in high school, a four-time EIWA champion, and graduated from Cornell University. Kudos to you. 2016 NCAA national champion with a 37-0 record his senior year. Uh, Oh, I forgot. How do we say that international? Guelph? Guelph. Guelph. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very French. Uh, (laughs) Guelph, international champion in 2017. U.S. Open runner-up in 2017 and 2018. 2018 Final X championship champion and currently number one in the United States at 61 kilograms. Nation, thanks for hanging out with me today, man. I appreciate it. You know what? I appreciate you, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, Thanks for reading my Wikipedia page. Yeah, man. Well, it was Wikipedia, and it was the Team USA page. So I did USA a page. lot of research. Believe a lot. Did you cite? Did you cite it? Um, yeah, I'll cite it in the show notes. Okay, I'll cite it in the show. Don't worry about it. It's cool. It's cool. Me and Team USA, we go way back. We're cool way at this point. Good stuff, man. No, I mean, yeah, Wikipedia is the greatest. Um, if it didn't exist, I probably wouldn't have graduated high school or college. So. If it's not going to help me now, I mean, shoot, man, what's the point of even having it? So thanks. Yeah. And thank you for thanking me. I appreciate it. It seems like it's going to be a lot of fun already. So I'm super excited. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I definitely at some point want to talk about Final X because that sounds super intense. But in my opinion, most of the best stories all start all the way back at the beginning. So if you don't mind, I mean, how at age 13, how did you decide to get into wrestling and, and then eventually fall in love with the sport? Yeah, so uh, so the actual story starts before when I was before I was thirteen. So I was thirteen okay. in eighth grade and seventh grade. 
I had a buddy come up to me and that was a tiny little thing, right? So maybe I was probably about 12, 13 years old, uh, 70 pounds soaking wet, just a fetus of a human being. Uh, and my friends had told me, Hey, uh, you should, you should try out for, you should try out for wrestling. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'd like to, I told my mom about it and she was very skeptical about the whole thing. We were very sheltered growing up. And so we weren't allowed to do a whole lot of sports games and those kind of activities, no school dances, none of that kind of thing. So, um, so essentially what ended up happening is we, I ended up not being able to go to practices and I don't think we could afford it either. And I think that was really the biggest part for my mom, but she, she did a really good job covering over the fact that we were poor because I never believed in any way, shape, or form that I had less than anybody else, even though I didn't. Uh, but the real story starts in eighth grade. Uh, at the beginning of eighth grade, the wrestling team, they started their practices, and I would sneak to practices. So I would go to a school at the junior high, and I would sneak to these practices. And while I was wrestling, I, I felt this amazing sense of freedom while I was doing it. Uh, eventually, my mom found out uh, you're wrestling, and she saw how passionate and how, how wonderfully connected to it I was and mm -hmm. the desire that I had for it. So she, she decided to, to, to go and sign me up for it. And, that's um, awesome. That's the beginning. Man, I love it. Every single Olympian I've talked to or hopeful or anything, there's always a story where it easily, easily could have went in the other direction. Like the opera, what if your mom was just having a crappy day? And what if it was raining out? Well, you're in California, never mind. Um, what if it was just, what if it was just a little too hot out in California that day? And she was just not in a great mood. And she was just like, no, stop it. Get in the car. We're going, get out of here. Stop, go to your room. You're like so many opportunities for that to happen. I think it's incredible that you know, we're living in the one universe that it didn't happen. And I mean, obviously, look what we got now. It's incredible what you've been able to amass over your entire career. I just think is so cool. And I mean, the best is yet to come. So I'm super excited to continue to watch you do it. Um, one thing I always like to do, you know, as I said, uh, kind of off air, I always want to educate everybody listening to this podcast and getting an understanding. I want the audience to really understand what you have to go through um, from a training standpoint, from a everything standpoint, but at the same time, what recovery eating training all that whole thing but i always like to give them education on the actual sport too um wrestling is one of the first if not the first if i'm not mistaken sport in the olympics um there's a couple different styles and that's really all everyone knows about it until once every four years we're gonna watch it we're gonna root for you because you're in red white and blue and then we're gonna then watch the next sport so rah rah let's go but at the same time i want to make sure we're educated so can you give us like a nice little base level some foundation that when we're actually watching you in a year and change at this point, um, what are we watching and what are some of the things maybe we should look look out so we're not total novices on the sport? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, and I think the idea is a lot of people come into talking about the topic of wrestling with some idea. I kind of know what it's like. Those guys wear singlets, right? Are you wearing those like, leotards? Yeah, and you, you take people down <laughs> and it's two guys doing it. And that's, that's a little weird for me. So that's why I don't watch it. And that's why I do watch it. You know? Hey. You know, some people eat your own, you know, whatever you like, whatever you like. And, and so I think I can, I guess the basis, the basic startup of wrestling, if I was going to give you any kind of knowledge of it, uh, there are street, three styles of wrestling. So there's folk style, freestyle and Greco wrestling and within those categories of wrestling uh only in the u.s do we wrestle folk style in other countries they don't wrestle folk style so in other countries around the world they only wrestle 
the other two styles, which are mm. freestyle and Greco. Now, Greco is the style where you don't touch another person's legs. So you can't take down or make any att attacks mm. or attempts at a person's legs. You'll get cautioned and you'll, you'll end up losing the match if you try to do that. The whole purpose of the international wrestling, uh, if I could just give a blanket kind of in a nutshell type of mm. thing, is you want to expose the back of the person. You want to have control and you want to have exposure. That's, that's the whole concept of wrestling, control and exposure. If you can expose the person's back past 90 degrees, then you'll score up your points. If you can control the match, then you will ultimately end up winning or usually end up winning. Um, but again, you wrestle different opponents. You have different people who are at different skill levels. Some guys you'll beat a lot easier and some people will be a lot harder to wrestle and so the purpose for a good wrestler is to learn how to wrestle through good position and learn how to create offensive offensive potential and to learn position potential mm -hmm. that's awesome thank you for that um first what do you mean the united states only it practices a completely different style of wrestling that does not sound like us at all yeah, I know. We just want to do our own thing. Always. Can you give us, so freestyle and, and Greco, that makes sense. In, in Greco, you just can't touch their legs, essentially. Like, let's, right. that, that sounds relatively easy. So it's a lot of shoulders, a lot of arms, I'm assuming, that kind of thing. That's right. uh, freestyle is, I think, the one people would be most familiar with, like takedowns and like kind of grabbing at their legs, pulling them out, right? That, that, I feel like that's something most people have seen. What is folk style then like where where does that land is it somewhere in the middle is it somewhere out in left field what what exactly is that so folk style seems to me uh, i don't know exactly which came first historically but folk style seems to me to be an offshoot of, of freestyle since everybody else mm -hmm. around the world is doing freestyle i'm guessing that folk style is just a little piece that mm -hmm. came off and we decided to score things differently and 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 kind of it's, it's a little bit different the way that i would explain it is folk style to me is like chess uh or no it's folk style to me is like checkers Mm. So there's, yes, you, you have, there's a skill level that you have to have. There's a certain conditioning level that you have to have, but you can essentially do whatever you want. You can be as creative as you want to. And as long as you're scoring points that at the end of the day, that that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And so there's guys who, who dive under the legs and they're exposing their back and they're, they're on their backs, but there's, they're not getting re awarded any points against them or, or for mm -hmm. them. And so they can be a little bit more creative with this, with, folk style um you have you have moments where they're able to start you can score points and you can ride on top uh whereas in, in freestyle if you get on top uh you take a person down you get on top you only get 10 to 15 seconds to score mm -hmm. and then they want you back up on your feet so really for freestyle it's all about the competitive nature of who's who can better take a person down on their feet and then now how do you are you going to be able to defend on, on bottom, giving, mm. a, giving 10, 15 seconds, being able to, are you able to score? And if you're not, then you're back on your feet. And it's a little bit more chess-like, in my opinion, mm -hmm. because there is a cat and mouse game to it. It's, you're looking reaction response. You're trying to get a person to respond to what you're doing while also trying to stay in good position and trying to open up this other person while trying to be... Uh, while trying to maintain your own position mm -hmm. through the whole thing. And so, okay. yeah. And so college wrestling, that's folk style. Mm -hmm. uh, high school wrestling, folk style. Um, except for the girls. The girls wrestling um, and women's wrestling, they, in college and um, 
I believe in high school, actually, it's folk style, but in college, they wrestle freestyle. Interesting. Yes. Nice little twist there. Um, I did have the opportunity to interview a wrestler, uh, Cody Fow. She's fantastic. Go listen to her episode if you haven't already. Um, shameless little plug there. Got to do it. But um, do it. yeah, uh, that was awesome. Thank you so much. That's it. Awesome. You, you explained it very simply so that we understand it. And clearly that means you understand it very well. And clearly you're very good at it. Um, NCAA national champ, 37 and no record. That's pretty cool. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so you get into the sport of wrestling again, so many things could have prevented this from happening, but it didn't. So now we're in the hands of the universe and the universe is pushing you forward and you put in a significant amount of work to get to where you are. What were those first few years? Like, I mean, you start in eighth grade, so then you go into high school. And as you were saying before, it's a, especially from a teenage boy standpoint, I can see that being kind of a, a put off, but be something that you could easily be made fun of. Um, so I like, tell us about that, I guess, like on the emotional side and on uh, mixed with the sports side of you really love this, but I, like, how did you deal with that? You know, 13, 14, 15, those were the weirdest years of your life. They'll flow always be like that. Like, how did you kind of balance those two? And, and was there any embarrassment level? Like, like talk about that a little bit. I think that's a really interesting uh, little angle we can take on that. <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting you say that because, right, the, the immediate thing is, is how does what you did connect to the culture that you're around, the mm-hmm. people that you're around, the society that, that you grew up in? And for me, because I was so sheltered, I didn't know the difference between yep. anything. So for me, um, and not only that, me and my brother, I, I have a twin brother. We, we were – very well liked just because we had a lot of skills and talents and abilities and um and just by nature of just being personally nice nice people so it was it was when i first started wrestling um there was never really any kind of negative connotation from the Mm -hmm. outside whatsoever um not that there was like a lot of like rah rah yes go for it but it was it was a case that like all right you're you're doing your thing you know and enjoy it you know Mm -hmm. and so and and again upstate upstate uh california northern california i usually say upstate new york yeah <laughs> the cornell but uh, i got you, and, I got you. <laughs> and so uh, so and in, in norcal uh yeah we had some good wrestlers and we had but it, it was it's nothing like iowa it's nothing like pennsylvania ohio where wrestling is like the thing mm-hmm. to be doing where like yeah. you're actually popular if you're on a wrestling team so um i would say that the first the first couple of years, it was it was just me doing what doing what I felt like I wanted to do, and it was an exciting moment, and it was an exciting part of my life because it was the first time I'd ever really gotten to be a part of a team. And I tell you what, I mean, it helped me to battle a lot of what a lot of my own, I guess, insecurities mm-hmm. about life, right? Because here's you know a kid who, in my opinion, I didn't really have that much control. Of in my life, of my life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, came from a, a single mother household and a very sheltered household, and so we weren't able to do much. And so finally, I'm in a, I have an opportunity to be and do and accomplish something without somebody else telling me you can't or can't. And now I know that winning, losing, getting better, all these things rely on my skills, my abilities, my pursuit, what I'm gonna do, and that's. That's, ex- that's exceptionally, that's, that released me and that, had, that gave me a sense of freedom that I never experienced before in my life. That's awesome. So, so it was, the first few years were amazing. First few years were amazing. Needless to say, no, no craziness. 
No craziness. I'm I'm happy to hear that. I mean, no that, I, honestly, I did not expect to ask that question, but then I thought about it. I was like, you got into it at like the weirdest part for a human being to be alive. And like, yes. it's, it's kind of looked at, especially, you know, California, East Coast as well over here. Like, hey, like, why are you doing that? Like, what's up? Like, why? Why, why would you want to do that when there's all these other things? So I think it's, you know, I just, I, I hope no one gets angry that I asked that question. I thought it was pretty good if you ask me. I'm not Katie Carey. Uh, one of these days, man. Uh, that's a, that's a great um, no. question. It was an excellent question. Thank you, Nation. I appreciate that. Um, so then on the junior level, on the state level, as we said before, um, you are a two-time CIF state champion. That is incredible considering the size of california i know you said it's not iowa it's not you know pennsylvania it's not one of these you know ohio michigan uh midwest states that seem very very into it but at the same time there's a lot of people in california so i'm sure the wrestling isn't you know you know, like bottom of the barrel what did that mean to you and and at what point did you really start to see yourself excel into whoa this is something that i could potentially be doing for a significant period of time um wow another great question yeah so yeah. So Stop complimenting me. It's good. Cool. <laughs> Stop complimenting me. my nature. It's fine. It's fine. You're good. You do it. Keep it good. And so, you know what? Um, when I really started seeing advancements in my wrestling career, uh, I was, I was, I went through a very painful time. Okay. And so mm-hmm. my freshman year, my freshman year, I was probably weighing about mm, 98 pounds and I dropped down to 91s. 91 pounds in Fargo, North Dakota at a national tournament out there. It was a freestyle and Greco national tournament. And I figured, you know what? I have my, I have my hopes set so high on being an All-American. And I believed that I could do it. And it was only my second year wrestling, but I believed I was, that I could do it. I was going to say, you're already at national championship events, your second year wrestling. Now that you say that, that actually is pretty That's surprising. That's incredible, dude. That's insane. Well, yeah, you're, I mean, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually just now realizing that too. So. <laughs> like how does it like, oh my goodness. Okay, just keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but that, I want, like, let's pause and take a second. Like you, your second year of wrestling, you were already on the national stage. So I'm not surprised right. by any of this anymore. I guess keep going. <laughs> great, great, great point. Uh, I mean, so I'm actually wrestling at, at this, yeah, on this national stage. And, and I get so close to placing. I get so close to placing both styles and the things that I felt was shame, humiliation. I felt hurt. I felt broken down by this experience when I didn't place. I felt disappointment and I never experienced these kind of things before. Never experienced them before. And in my, and I went through a moment, I'm just a freshman in, in high school. I never, I don't know what's going on, but I felt this thing where I said, I never want to feel like this again, ever. And now I was, I was, when I first started, I was a little flaky. I had a lot of talent, a lot of, but I was flaky. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't grow up mm-hmm. with these kind of, no, okay, stick to the schedule. This is how it's supposed to be. This, I didn't grow up with those kind of things. And this kind of like authoritative figure telling me, hey, here's how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to work it out. I didn't have that. And so I had to figure it out as I, as I went along. And so, yeah, I mean, I was very, very flaky. I wasn't really sure. I pulled out of tournaments because I was so afraid even sometimes. And of wrestling and there was times when I would go whole days I'd go whole days without eating I'd make the finals and then I'd perform very poorly in the finals or I'd lose in the finals um, just because I, I was I was so nervous before every single match and very uncomfortable so dealing with a lot of those kind of feelings and, and the you know, you know the, the I guess failure of, of, mm-hmm. of what it would be I guess yeah I guess just failure just in general I hated it 
I hated the feeling and I said, I don't ever want to feel like this again. So coming into my sophomore year, that's when I really started to get serious about it. I started to get serious about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And in that year, I ended up winning a section, a section title and I went to state and, and then there it was again, the, the failure showed up again. I said, I never want to feel like this again. So whatever talents, abilities, uh, skills, physical capabilities, it, whatever it is, I, I, I made a prayer and I made a, uh, I made something to myself where I said, listen, this, you're going to use all of your gifts and abilities and you're going to, you're going to do something with it. Cause I don't have this desire for no reason. So that at that point in time, um, that is, that is when my increase started. Mm-hmm. And, and as soon as I realized that I have skills, abilities, talents, and all these different things that were given to me, uh, I want to use them and I do not want them to go to waste. And that year I won a sophomore, fr- freshman, sophomore, as a sophomore, freshman, sophomore state title. The next year I won a, a, a state title, the whole state. Mm-hmm. And then the next year I won the whole state. And then I won a, a senior national title. And then I was off on my way to college. Love it, man. Are you a motivational speaker by any chance? Um, I have motivational speaking abilities. Okay. That means the answer is yes, by the way. Then yes. Yes. The answer is yes. Let's, let's talk about that. that. That's such a great story, man. I mean, I think that that is super cool. Um, you know, just, just to the point of one thing I've found with a lot of athletes is they actually hate losing more than they like winning. Um, I think that's a very interesting trait. Um, I like winning but I really hate losing. Like that is, as you were saying, it's, it's the weirdest, most dejecting feeling in the entire world. And there's nothing that's like it. Like <laughs> there, is, there is nothing that has come close to losing. Um, and I, at least I've never felt a feeling or an emotion like that. So I think it's incredible. Flip side, I kind of enjoy that feeling because it reminds me of what it's like. So that way it makes me work harder. It makes me do more. So I guess I don't like it. I appreciate it and I respect it. And I don't mind every once in a while getting my ass kicked. That way I can remember like, oh yeah, that's why I'm putting in all this time and doing all this stuff. So I never have to feel like that again. So I think that is super. And at like 14 to kind of have these thoughts and revelations, I think is, is clearly a testament to how smart you are. I mean, just in the few minutes I've been able to speak with you today, um, that comes across uh, also the, uh, the whole graduated from Cornell thing. I don't think too many, uh, too many, too many smart people have come out of that place. So I don't think that's too much. <laughs> yeah, it's on a lesser tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something. Uh, but that's, that's so cool, man. So, so technically you won three state titles. One was, it sounds like junior varsity. And then the other two were, were on the varsity level. So I think that that's incredible. Um, so that, that's great. Thank you for that. So then you then go, you graduate from high school. Shout out. What's your high school's name? Let's give them a shout Chico out. High. Chico High. Shout out. Um, when, did the re- when did the recruitment process start? And what was that like being coveted by, I'm assuming a few different, uh, colleges around the country? Yeah. So I did, I did get a few recruitments. Um, nothing big though. Uh, so yeah, nothing big. I was probably maybe top 50 in my weight class, uh, going, going into all the colleges Mm -hmm. wanting to look at me. And now, now here I was, I was now that same tournament that I didn't place at my freshman year, my sophomore year, I double All-American. My junior year, I double All-American. My senior year, I All-American freestyle. Mm-hmm. So I was a five-time All-American at that tournament. And that tournament, you get a lot of looks there. So I, I had certain people looking at me, but 
my junior year, my high school coach actually sent out a email to Cornell University. Now, Cornell University was they were they were the, one of the top programs uh, in the nation at around 2011, 2010 through 2012. And so they had national champs. They I think they took second in 2012. And so they were very, very good at that time. And they've always been a top mm-hmm. eight country, uh, a top eight school in the country so a program in the country and under Rob Cole they've done an excellent job Mike Gray uh, Damien Hahn um, they've done an excellent Jeremy Spates they've done an excellent job doing doing what they do and so my coach had sent them a, a letter my junior year when I won a state title they and he sent a video of me wrestling and after he did that we established a relationship they established a relationship now I didn't know any of this was going on um but I wasn't even thinking about college, to be honest. I had mm-hmm. no idea. I didn't know what college wrestling was. I had no idea. It wasn't even thought in my mind. But my coach had put in a lot of time and a lot of effort to, to get me looked at. And so because I really do think that because they established that relationship when I wasn't the, you know, in the top, whatever, mm-hmm. they wanted me and they saw potential in me. And I, I checked out the campus um, and I checked out University of Virginia, and those are the only two places I, I went. At, you know, at the very end, when when things were getting tight, and I was going to make a decision, I had already won. Um, I had already won senior nationals. I had a couple other schools looked at me, but by that time, it was kind of just like, hey, we're just looking to get a good guy in here. We, we saw they're good. Let's let's get you. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that relationship hadn't been developed. Yeah, they didn't. There there was no time. There was no effort. It was kind of just a, a shot in the dark. It almost sounds like at that point, it seems like Cornell um, had their eye on you. Thankful for your coach. Shout out. What's your coach's name? Uh, Keith Rollins. Shout out Keith. And Jordan uh, Matthews. And Jordan Matthews. I've heard that name once or twice before, but I'm sure it's a different guy. Shout out to those <laughs> gentlemen for getting you um, an opportunity at an incredible school. Did you, So you really didn't have any thought about college wrestling? I mean, what were your – this was your junior year, you said, right? Yes. So, so at that point, kids are supposed to be looking at, at colleges and schools. So what were you doing? Just wrestling at that point? like Just wrestling. Just trying to get better. Every day, just – doing what I could to get better. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it, it wasn't even a thought in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, really not. I remember going into the first, my, not my first day or the first practice of the, of the year, my junior year. And I was, you know, I was probably ranked probably six in, in the, in the state. And mm-hmm. I was, Oh, very excited. And then, you know, as, as the year progresses, you start to see, Oh, wow, this gets good. He's the number one guy. And now I'm the guy to beat. Mm-hmm. And and it, it, everything goes so fast, and you're just like, okay, whoa, where am I at? What's uh-huh. happening? Where am I? So I'm not I'm not thinking about anything like that. I'm just trying to do better at wrestling. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to be a better version of myself mm-hmm. as I as I wrestle. So that's I mean, that's clearly a testament to dis- discipline and putting your head down and just doing whatever is necessary. It clearly seems right. like you did you did a little bit of that. So congratulations there. Um, so you get to college, you got to Cornell. Let's let's not <laughs> let's not shy away from the Ivy League school stuff here. You you got to <laughs> Cornell. Ithaca is a beautiful town. I've been there a couple times. Absolutely loved it. Um, tell us about your experience there. I mean, you're a four time I. E-I-W-A champion. I don't think either of us knows what that acronym means, but if Absolutely you're champion not. something, I think it's incredible. Um, what was that like? And, and really from the gate, having extreme success at one of, as you even put it, like one of the best programs in the entire country. Yeah. So going in initially, I was, I was just a kid who was just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any kind of discipline. I didn't have, I mean, I had certain disciplines in the sport of wrestling, but 
you know, life disciplines, you, mm-hmm. these kind of things, living with other people. I never lived with an, another other guys. So you got college guys who I'd never been, I never had a, good, a group of guy friends I've been around. So that way it was a complete and total culture shock, right? And so on top of this, you have, you're being away from your family, you're being away from everything you've ever known. And, and granted, I wanted to be because mm-hmm. Chico was too small for me at the time and still is at, right now. But I, I got away from everything I knew, my twin brother, uh, everything that I had understood and, and grown up with for a completely different shift and change in, in life. And not only that, but I'm dealing with other, other guys from other states, you know, their, their accolades. So now everyone's good. And now, you know, you go from being the guy to being a guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then not only the guy to a guy, but a guy getting your butt kicked every day in practice by the guy. And then you're like, I want to be the guy, but what's going on? Mm-hmm. So, so it was, it was, an, it was a great process though. It was a great process. And so when I first graduated from high school, I actually went, I actually went to a school, a community college, TC3. And it's, it's what they want you to do um, to just, it's basically like a red shirt. So, right. Mm-hmm. They, Ivy leagues don't have red shirts. They, they want you to make sure they want to make sure that you get the fullness of the time that you go there. So, so I basically went to a, a, t- a community college trained two, three times a week at Cornell university. And, and when I got in, then, you know, then I'm wrestling on the team and I'm with the team and I'm at Cornell and I'm, I'm a student there. And, and it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience. It was difficult, but it mm-hmm. was amazing. That, that's awesome, man. I, I went to community college too. So we got something community in college. college. Shout out that's community it. college, RVCC. Let's go. Um, right. No, dude, I love that. That's, I, I never realized I, now that you say it, I kind of through football and basketball I understand, but I, I've never really realized that they weren't allowed to have red shirts. So I think that's very interesting and a very cool tactic to get you the opportunity to grow. Cause obviously at 18, 19, you're still growing significantly. So then that way you're there at 23 when you're really you're, you're, you're a man at that point and you can really start to put the hurt down on some people. Um, That's right. uh, so, but so still like, I just think it's incredible. So like you're in Cornell, you're getting your butt kicked as you were saying, but that first year you still won the championship. I, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the assumption that IEWA is like the conference. Is that? Yes. Conference okay. championships. That's yeah. Right. So you won the conference championship four times, which means all these guys that you became really good friends with. What is that dynamic here? pause. I'm not great at questions. I always think something and then I think something else. What is that dynamic like going into this situation at Cornell where you're trying to find friends, right? You're in the other side of the country, California to, well, Northern California to New York, total other side of the country. Ithaca is not huge. It's great. Don't get me wrong. It's not huge. What was that like trying to develop friendships with people and then kick their ass at the exact same time and really have that really fiery competitiveness alongside like oh but we're you know we're like friends right like we need friends like what was that dynamic like again at 18 19 years old still a very weird point in time um how did you kind of deal with that and how do you really deal with that all the time yeah i mean that's a that's a great point um thankfully for me i never really had to experience the competitive nature of of friendship versus people in my weight class and having to be friends with them um I had friends and I was cordial with them and I was cool with them. But if we're talking deep friendships, we're talking about people you, you roll with, people who are in your, your group and your, your circle. I, most of the people who were in my group, in my circle, or who I would call my boys or my people, they were bigger than me. So I was the smallest guy. 
And uh-huh. so it worked out really well for me, all needs to say. And I never uh-huh. had to deal with the, you know, the uncomfortability of, oh, yeah, we're in the same weight class. And there were guys in the same weight class. And I was cool with them. Like, not an issue with them, but they, they had their life and I had my life. And mm-hmm. we, just, we just, you know, we were cordial with each other. And, you know, if we wrestled with each other, then it was cool. But there was something that was going on in me where I, I was advancing at a level uh, that was maybe greater or higher than, than they were. And so at some point in time, People just realized that I, I just realized for myself, I can't speak for other people, but I realized that it doesn't matter if you're beating me or if we're at the same or if we're head and head right now, at some point in time, I'm going to get better. Mm-hmm. So me getting better has nothing to do with whether or not I should or should not like you as a person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when we're on the mat and we're wrestling and we're, and we're, and we're going hard at it, uh, you know, it, it's nothing personal, but if I'm trying to beat the crap out of you, and if that's, if that's, if you have an issue with that, you know, you know, we can talk, uh, we can talk, uh, we can go, go get some coffee, you, you get a bagel or something, you know, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're, when we're in the practice room, we're trying to get better and we're trying to hyper-focus ourselves so that we can grow on an exponential, at an exponential rate. And that's what I did. So I never let anything like that in, in the practice room affect my outside relationships. Never. Mm. When I was in there, any, every, it, was, it was just all focus. Get mm-hmm. better. And whatever was going on in my life, whether it was good or whether it was bad, relationship stuff, issues, problems, circumstances arise, never worried about it. When I was in here, it was a place of peace, even though I was in the chaos of wrestling. Wow, that's deep. Nice way to end that. That was deep. But no, I, I love that, man. I mean, I think it's really interesting. In a lot of sports that are individual-based, you're obviously going to have to compete against your teammates at some point. Um, and it's always interesting to hear how certain athletes take that. I mean, I've, um, I'm putting a little comp- uh, compilation together of something that I've learned from every the athlete that I've done interviews with because I've done over 100 at this point. And, you know, there, there are three girls on the ski team that are best friends, and it's usually down to two of them to see who's going to win. Um, so just that opportunity to be so completely in love with a friend of yours and then really understand that, you know, no, I want to beat you, but with skiing, it's different because it's not a head to head. We're not physically trying to take each other down. So I'm very interested to hear it in, in your take. And it's, it's again, just speaks to your wisdom, speaks to your experience, how, you know, I was actually just friends with the, the bigger guys. So we were cool, but you know, it is what it is. If you hate me, you hate me. It's your fault, not mine. Uh, so I think that's really interesting. Um, so let's talk about 2016, though. That was a pretty cool year. Uh, NCAA national champion, uh, 37 and zero record. You never felt that feeling of failure or that feeling of losing. What was that season like? And at what point was undefeated something that people started to really bring up and talk about a little bit? Hmm. Well, so here's the deal. You can't talk about 2016 without talking oh. about 2013, 14, and 15, right? And so, oh, I, yeah, I, I apologize. Please tell me oh, all yeah. about it. So, so in 2013, uh, I took third at the Nationals. Okay. My first year there. In 2014, I took second at Nationals. In 2015, I took fifth at Nationals. Ooh, what a drop. What a drop. And it was that moment, another moment of failure. I never wanted to feel that again. And from that point in time, especially on that stage, at that level, with all the work and all the toil and everything that I put my heart and soul and blood and tears and everything and sweat into, there was no way I was ever going to feel that at that stage, at that level ever again. There just wasn't. And so that is what propelled me into my senior year. Mm -hmm. Now, I, for a long time, 
had re- had reckoned to myself that winning was not my identity. I had not put my identity in, in winning up until that point. But of course, when someone's winning all the time, you never get checked. That you you never that word never gets checked inside of you. You never mm-hmm. experience the the heat on on. Well, you you say that you're not about winning. You say that you're not defined by this thing, but it's never been tested inside mm-hmm. of you. So all of a sudden, I'm tested with this this issue and this problem where I thought, hey, my my identity's not in winning. My identity is 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 just in wrestling, wrestling freely and, and doing what I can and wrestling my best. And then I lose, and I'm like, my identity wasn't freaking winning. And I and I freaked out for a second. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I I went. I didn't even think I was going to wrestle my senior year. That's how crazy it was mm-hmm. because I was so hurt and devastated and broken. There's a, there's a clip on YouTube where I take fifth and, and right after I take fifth, I'm talking to the guy and then he's, he's, you know, bombarding me with questions and doing his job. And, and you can see the pain. You can see the pain of my soul in my face. And it is so painful and so, heartbreaking to to watch that and i said i never want to feel this way again and now here's the deal is that my junior year i was pretty miserable the whole year absolutely miserable the whole year why because i was cutting anywhere from 15 to 20 pounds a week to make the weight for my team Mm -hmm. and so not only was i doing this thing and not only was i not able to get better because i should have gotten better i should have won the national championship that year in my opinion i should have won the national championship that year and not at 125, but up a weight class at 133. And I believe that if I had gone up a weight class, that I would have experienced the same success that I mm-hmm. experienced my senior year. But again, that's not how the universe works. It's not the way that it planned out. And so the pleroma of, of the universe was, was fulfilled uh, in me losing, right? So I lose. Coming back in, I, I never want to feel that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always put myself in the worst positions I possibly can in the, the most hurtful and painful and mentally agonizing situations in the mat room. And I've always had done this, but it was it raised that, mm-hmm. that moment in my junior year, it raised my intensity. And I always put myself in those kind of situations. And it was very painful. And I never wanted to feel that, that feeling ever again. And so I, so I took that pain and I used it to propel me to a national championship. I love it, man. And there was a place where there's no fear, there's no anxiety, there's no worry, because I've seen every outcome, mm-hmm. because I've been in every outcome, because I've cried in practice, because I've bled in practice, because I've been disappointed in practice, and I've experienced all those things in practice that, that now I never have to worry about experiencing here, because I've already done it, I've already dealt with it, and I've adjusted, and now I'm here, and now you're getting the best version of me. So how can I? Because I've already, I've already done it. Mm-hmm. That's incredible, dude. That was so good. I love that. Oh, my goodness. That is spine tingling. Oh, my. So freshman year, you got third. Sophomore year, you got second. And then junior year, you get fifth. I mean, I'm assuming that a lot of people would have had you pegged as the favorite, if not, you know, runner up again. Um, and then falling to fifth. Fifth sucks. Second is awful, but at least, you know, you're second. I mean, fifth is like pretty much forgotten at that point. So if, do you think it would have been any different if you were in that final match and lost by a point or, or by half a set? Do you, do you think anything would have been different or do you think that pain and that frustration, and that, that feeling of 
failure would have been more intense or, or just as intense or less intense? What do you, what do you think about that? Well, um, so are you specifically talking about the match that I lost Correct. Uh, my junior yeah. year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The junior year. If, say if, instead of getting fifth place, losing in that match and getting fifth place, say you made it all the way to the championship again as you versus some other dude, winner take all. If you got second in that and it was by just a hair or, or even if it was a blowout, do you think that feeling of – that that the intensity of that feeling would have been the same and, and it would have driven you to do as much, or do you think it would have done even more? Or like what would have the you know, outcome been? I know we're speaking in hypotheticals at this point, but yeah. I'm curious. So, so I want to answer the hypothetical, but my mind automatically wants to reverse the hypothetical and cool. say, there's if, no way that I would have gotten to that point and not have achieved what I needed to achieve. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's kind of what I it, thought was coming. But if it were the case that I did get that level and I did lose again, if it were the case that I did lose again, I think, I think I would have been pretty devastated. I think mm. I probably would have been just as much devastated mm. because I had already done that, right? Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. It's the most important thing to me is that you don't that I don't be stagnant, right? Stagnancy is my is my worst fear that I don't accomplish what I was created and purpose to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't use the ability and make a choice to choose to do something great with the things that I've been given. That is the worst feeling in the world to know and to think and to feel like you're not getting any better, that you're just stuck in this ambiguous state. That is the worst feeling in the world. It sucks. So for me, I, if I had, if I had made it to that point in time, I had already taken third. Mm I had already taken second. If I didn't take first, I would have rather take fifth and taken second. Mm-hmm. Straight up. I would have rather taken fifth and taken second. I think it would have been as painful for both. But third, second, you know you got better mm-hmm. because you took first. I mean, fifth is just as good as – fifth, in my opinion, is, is second. Now, second is mm-hmm. fifth, fifth is second. It's all – you lost. Yeah. So it's all the same. Uh, that's kind of the answer I was you expecting. You didn't get better. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And, and it's it's not only you didn't, because as you were saying, stagnancy, like if you got third, second, second, it's like, wow, you're, you're consistent. And that's great. And uh, you know, you're one of the best in the country, obviously, but then you didn't get any better. Um, it's almost, it sounds like it's better that you got worse than staying the same. Because again, that, then that fueled that fire. Um, and it really did. It really did like that. So now wow. that's a great point. You just said it now, because I, I don't, Wow. I mean, I mean, even in my own like spiritual understanding, right? Like I don't believe, I, I, I don't believe we're either moving towards ascension and understanding and, and possibility and growing in ourselves and consciousness, or we're, we're moving away from mm-hmm. understanding and consciousness and, and truth. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, right? You can't just stay one way. You're not just like, and, and oh yeah, I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm just kind of this, this, thing floating here right no, mm-hmm. you're either growing or you're not growing you know like you mm-hmm. put a seed in the ground and that seed is either gonna grow or it's not there, there's no like oh well it's gonna have grown you know mm-hmm. no it's gonna die so it's wow that's 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 a good point i would i would have rather been worse than than been the same mm-hmm. straight up love it man this is fun. Thanks so much for being here tonight. Have I said that yet? Because this is a blast. I'm really enjoying right. myself. I hope you're having a good time too. Um, oh, yes. So, all right. So we talked about 13, 14, 15. Now I want to talk about 16. Is that yeah. okay? Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. So 37-0, and 0, national champ. You did it. You got there. Um, t- 
took a little while, took some trials, some tribulations. As you said, you, you didn't ever want to feel that feeling again. So you continued to feel it constantly. So that way there's no, so I'm a big movie fan. I don't know if you watched any of the Avengers, all that stuff. Your Doctor Strange sitting there. It's like, yeah, one out of 14 trillion or whatever. It's like, you live through literally every single one. And then you, so now you know exactly what needs to happen for that one to go right. And you saw everything else that could possibly happen. So if you don't, hey, man, you did everything you could at that point. But you did win. And going back to my question before, because I am really curious about that, because undefeated is always, it's such a, in sports, it just has like this tingly feeling, like undefeated, like you never lost. You were perfect, literally. There's no such thing as perfection, but you were perfect. Um, at what point was, did you hear rumblings or did some people already start talking to the media about like, this is possible. Like it's a possibility that he will not lose this year or along those lines of, wow, he still hasn't lost this year. What are the chances? Like, when did you start hearing those? At what, was it like around 12, 20, 25? Like, when did those start kind of popping up? Um, wow. Um, I, I would say that the defining moment for me at 133, so I went up a weight class. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, the defining moment for me was when I beat the national champion. And when I was down by six points, against the national champion because he caught me and he threw me on my back. He almost had me pinned, but I worked out of it. And I actually rallied back to beat him 14 to nine, which proved that I was better than him. Wow. Yeah. Not only did I prove that significantly. Yeah. Not, not only that, but he didn't take me down after that at all. And so I made my mark at that point in time that I was the number one guy and I'm the best. And so, and, and the reason that was, and, and I'm glad that life works out the way that it does because this guy he won the national championships that the year before right and he killed everybody he absolutely destroyed people at nationals one made it look easy made it look easy so he's coming into 33s being he's the he's the hot topic you know mm-hmm. so i wrestled him in the finals and and i made a statement mm-hmm. the way that i did 14 to 9 and i most of my off all of my offensive points and he had he had one he had one throw and then i then a couple of escapes. So that was a defining moment for me. And I think if there were any whisperings and, and mm-hmm. birds chirping, it would have been around that time that, oh, wow, I don't think he's going to lose this year. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I just beat the best guy. Yeah, you beat, you beat the best of the best. So what else, what else is really there to do? So I think that's, that's phenomenal. So I always love hearing little, little stories about that. But uh, I also need to know, like, at, was there any extra pressure? because of the under undefeated record. I mean, we, we all can sit here and be like, no, no, of course not. I, I look at the next day and one match at a time, but being a human being, it's very difficult to ignore something that doesn't happen very often. That's just human nature, you know? So like, was, did you ever kind of be like, whoa, like, can I do this? Should I do this? Like, did, did you ever kind of get pressure or feelings or frust- any, anything around the fact that you had this opportunity? Not anything from the outside world, everything from internally within Nation. Was there ever any like extra, uh, that nervousness that we were talking about before, that, that extra fear or anything like that? Or how did you kind of internally deal with that discussion? Hmm. I mean, interesting question. Because, I mean, 37 and 0 being a perfect record not being I never I never thought about it. I never thought about oh like I don't want to lose my perfect record, you know. Mm-hmm. 
that that was never a thought in my mind. So here's the deal. Uh, here's the here's the example that I can give you. In preseason, we have our our weekly runs. You know, mm-hmm. you run three miles, anywhere from three to six miles. And what I would do is I would get out in front. Now we have some fast guys on our team, and so you get out in front and you stay out in front. You got to know that you are you are the pacer. Mm-hmm. And now everyone is trying to follow you. So if you're in the front and you're breaking the wind for people, it's a lot easier for people to be like, oh, okay, okay, and then sneak up on you and pass and pass you. So I lived with that fear every single time I, I did a run, anytime I did a lift, anytime I did a, a wrestling, I lived with the fear of being beat. I lived with that. So that I know you just keep on going straight. I, I, I would run against my own shadow. I would hear my own footprints and I would hear – Oh, they're right behind me. You better freaking pick it up. So that fear of failure, that fear of someone sneaking up and sneaking a loss on, uh, uh, sneaking up and stealing something that belonged to me, I lived with it. I always lived with it. So when I came in and I started beating people, I was like, okay, well, I, I mean, I, I'm running, and I know you're behind me, but I'm gonna just continue running. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna pick up my pace. If I hear you running a little faster, I'm gonna pick up my pace. And then if you're that second guy and you see and you know, because this is this is a thing, is right. When you're when you're the first person running, and there's a second guy behind you, that second guy's thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna get him." Because because at the finish line, some sometimes people and 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 it's it's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thought that this happens. But when you get to the finish line, it's 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 almost sometimes hard to sprint through it. It's a lot easier to slow down because you you know I'm right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. And so that second play, that second guy's like, he's going to slow down. And as soon as he does, I'm going to freaking get him. And I was always aware of that second guy. I was always aware of that. And so I, 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 I sprinted through the finish line every single time because I had to. So mm-hmm. I live with that fear. I embrace the fear. And, and that's, yeah. So I never, mm-hmm. I was never worried about anybody stealing anything from me. I love it, man. Yeah. I mean, it just goes back to, you know, that, that fear factor that we've been talking about a little bit this time, like the, um, it, it, I bet it was less like I'm worried about my perfect record is I'm worried about just losing once. Like it, I don't care. I can go a thousand and no, it's, it's that one time that sounds like it's going to define you. And, and obviously you beat the, the former national, the, the previous national champion and, and went on to do it yourself in a, in a very, uh, stylish fashion, obviously, with going 37 and 0. But I think it's it didn't matter what the number was in the win column. It just seemed like the losing was not an option at all. And and I can tell you, I can tell you why the losing was not an option. And the biggest fear that I had in my mind was this: I don't. It's not this person that's going to beat me. I I never I never thought, oh, this person's going to beat me. It, it was never a thought like that. It was, I'm going to, if I slow down, if I don't give my all, then I'm going to beat myself. I was so afraid to get beat by myself that I made sure and I trained that other part of me. I trained that other part of me and I used that other part of me to, to be my competitor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a part of you that says, you're good, bro. You already mm-hmm. did enough sprints. Yeah. You're already tired. Stop. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Don't go anymore. You're right there. Just ease up. We're good. It's your body against your mind or your body against your soul. And it's, 
that's that's the real fight. That's the real battle. Mm-hmm. And it it's sounds you like yourself. You won it a couple times now. It sounds like. Oh yeah. You're still fighting it, of course. We all are. We'll never stop fighting that. Um, you know, be careful what you say to yourself because you're always listening, right? So um, make yeah. sure that you're, you're you're saying the correct things and and continuing to push yourself. So I think that's incredible. But dude, what an incredible story! I mean, we're only like halfway done. I hope you have a couple more minutes because this is way too much fun. And my dinner's getting cold. But dude, I didn't <laughs> cold dinner before. I don't care. Um, so 2016. So obviously 27 and 0 or 37 and 0 NCAA champ undefeated. 20 something else happened in 2016. So the Olympic trials were that year. 2016 was Rio. Uh, 2012 London, 2016 Rio, 2020 Tokyo. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, there's an interesting story around the 2016 Olympic trials, specifically for you. Uh, it's a pretty big controversy from what I read on the internet, not just Wikipedia. I did a little extra research when I saw this. Don't worry. Um, tell us about kind of what happened from your pers- Give us, I guess, set the stage for us. Let us understand what happened and then I guess give us it from your perspective and kind of what really did go wrong. Yeah, so really, in a in a real nutshell kind of uh, explanation, we didn't know the rules. Mm. We as in you and your competitor? Me and my coaches. Okay. If we had known the rules, I wouldn't have lost that match. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening was I was winning by three into the second period. About a minute left. I'm up three, one. Three, two. Now there's about 15, 20 seconds left, 25 seconds left. And the ref um, says that I was fleeing. Uh, fleeing the hold is what they call it. So fleeing the hold is you have to stay in contact or you have to stay in and wrestle through the position. You have to have position. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't flee the position uh, and otherwise you'll get called for it. So I was mm-hmm. fleeing the position, I was fleeing the hold. The ref calls passive and one and as he calls passive and one one of the mat judges because there's three refs there's a, a mat ref there's and then there's two judges there's a, a, a mass side judge and then uh, there's another judge on the other side just to kind of check oh, we want to see the angles mm-hmm. he says caution one one point for the, for the three to make it tied up matt matt guy says yes caution and and, and one and then the other guy says, white paddle. No. No, white paddle. So you have to have all three in order for caution to, to go, to pass. Now, those are the rules at the time. So because we did not know that, because you have to challenge those kind of things. If, if, if you don't challenge it and you say, oh, wait, no, this, the ref said nothing, so there's no points there. So we didn't know that because we didn't. Uh, that was the quarterfinals of – the yeah of the olympic trials so i lost so two of the judges we'll just all call them judges just to make life easier two said yes one said no but because no one pointed out and was like hey he said no it still counted you'd think there'd be a better system i'm not gonna obviously i do not live in your world but i feel like if one guy says no they all should be like oh okay he says no that's fine um that doesn't make sense because you're in the middle of wrestling does that mean your coaches have to be like oh but him he said no okay coaching is huge okay that makes sense um so it's still tied though right it's three to three three to three he scored last ah whoever scores the last point wins Ooh. okay that is frustrating to say the least yeah. Uh-huh. 
I'll let that one sit for a second. Yeah. Um, I mean, that just sucks. It, like, it, what, how do you let something like that happen? Like, I don't want to sound like an ass, but like, how do you, you and your coaches, like, how does something like that, like, fall through the cracks? You know what right. I mean? Like, that's, I don't, again, I, I don't live in this world. So you can just be like, dude, it's very obscure. I don't know. Like, it's, it's just something. But I feel like that's pretty important if something like that is going to happen occasionally each match right. if not like occasionally every once in a while like how are I, I assume you didn't place blame on anybody but yourself because you seem like that kind of person but like how how does a team of people kind of let something like that uh just happen well what i believe is it happens a lot more than you think Okay. See, and that like, that's what I mean. I don't, I don't really know that much. So I, I don't know if that's a super hard question. Not to as answer, much, but, but as, but it happens as happens, it happens a lot more than you would think it would happen, but not that much. So yeah, I mean, I think it was just a case that, yeah, we just, we, we just weren't aware of it, you know, and we're my, my coaches, they're not, full-time freestyle mm-hmm. coaches at the, at the mm-hmm. time, you know, and they're, they're college coaches. Yeah, you know? yeah. So they they know the rules of college, but they, they don't not studying the freestyle handbook to make sure, you know, everything. And, you know, and, and during the time it's like, you know, you know what you need to know, but as far as like going to the depth, like having a technical coach to check and make sure, you know, all the nuances. And mm-hmm. so that way on, on those tight matches, you can, you know, wait, who's up, wait, does he have a caution? Well, if it's four, four and he took, so if it's four, four and he, you know, got to push out and two takedowns and, and you got a four point move and, you know, then the f- person with the four point move wins. So you got, you got to always be taking track and mm-hmm. always be wondering, okay, wait, are we up? Or are we not up? Are we down? Are we, yeah, especially in those tight matches. So, mm-hmm. um, I think it was just the case that we, we just, yeah, we, we weren't, we, it was my first time and I was fresh off the college thing and I was down a weight too. And it was the first time I was down there and, yeah, and just the learning, yeah, the learning curve of, of freestyle, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, a completely different style than, than folk style wrestling. Um, so being able to transition into that place was, yeah, it was, it was I think, I think we want, we, we took our loss and we said, okay, that stinks. You know, we'll, we'll have, we'll have some time to, to clean up, but um, I didn't, I never really got a chance to clean up with them um, as mm-hmm. my coaches again, because I ended up, uh, I ended up moving to Arizona after after the world team trials and after mm-hmm. i graduated mm-hmm. or the olympic trials yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I find it very hard to believe that you took that loss that easily though mm. especially because it was something that wasn't i mean it was in your control but it was out of your control like you were up you shouldn't have gotten that point on you and you would have eventually won i mean again 30 seconds, yeah. 20 seconds left, whatever, anything's possible. But like something like that to me does not seem like you would just be like, oh, shucks. Like clearly there had to have been some sort of reaction considering what we've been able to talk about so far and that fear of losing and that, that, that defeat and that fear, uh, that feeling of losing. I, I don't feel like you would take it. I think you would take it. I don't know how you would take it, but I don't think you'd take it very lightly if it was kind of stolen from you. Right. Callback. Call See, that's what happened. It was essentially stolen from you at that point. Not yeah. to take away something from the other gentleman that you faced, but in that situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and just to kind of clarify a statement, like I don't Please. have a, I never had a fear of losing so much as yeah. I had a fear of not being my best self. Yeah, I meant to say feeling of losing. So I apologize. Oh, I feeling, apologize. Of yeah, yeah, okay. feeling of losing. Yeah. So, but I, but I think, 
here's here's one thing that all this experience has shown me in in general. And so, right, we have you have your winning, you have your losing, you have the process in between, right? And my coach would always say, "Listen, it's about the journey. It's about the things that you learn, the things you pick up. And yeah, if you went a long way, that's great. But at the end of the day, you're gonna have some some, some pretty spectacular skills. Obviously, you want those skills to show up. And you know, obviously, you know, I would not be happy if they didn't show up. But what I've learned and what I've realized is this, there's some things that are out of my control and there's some things that are in my control. The things that are in my control are the things that I'm doing. If I'm pushing the pace, if I'm scoring points, if I'm staying in good position, if I'm creating offense, if I'm uh, defending properly, then those are the things that I can control. And I can only control myself only and ever. I can never control another person. Um, I can't control what the judges do. I can't control what the refs are doing. I don't have any control over them. And when I, when, we realize, and when I realize that I can't control anything but myself, that's when, that's why I say, listen, there's season and times. There's a time for everything. You know, you plant a seed, it, there's a, there needs to be a, a time for it to grow up. There, you, we go through summer, fall, winter, spring. There's a season and a time for everything to grow and to flourish and to be what it needs to be. And we go through our ups and we go through our down with every, um, whatever, whatever, if you're increasing, there, there's a, a, a recession too. With everything, that's how that's that's the circle of life. Mm-hmm. And so, at this point in time, you know, it's a it's the the Olympics and everything, and the heightened sense of everything. I didn't get caught up in the heightened sense of oh, well, you could be this or this could happen, and this could be amazing. At this point in time, I'm like, listen, if I was supposed to win this, I guarantee you, I would have won, 100. percent But it wasn't the plan for right now. And I think in certain moments like that, when when you know that there is a seemingly a seeming injustice, a seemingly like injustice and just moment going on. And you have to see, you have to take a second and say, okay, what if it was, what if I wasn't supposed to win at this point mm-hmm. in time, you know, and now all of a sudden the, the, the narrative is switched a little bit up. And then mm-hmm. you have to say, so I've learned when it's the right time. I've learned when it's not the right time. And, you know, for example, like, and I, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about it at some point in time, but you know, I, I, I did, win the final X, I made a world team. And going into the world team, two weeks before the world championships, I tore my pectoralis major tendon. I tore my pec. I didn't, I wasn't able to compete at the world championships. So whose fault is that? Right? So, you know, if I want to blame people, if I want to blame universe or God or, or somebody else, my coaches or somebody, that's crazy. That's absurd. It's absurd mm-hmm. to do that. Even though I feel like an injustice has been done to me, I have to understand that there's a, there's a time in the season that things are allowed to happen in your life and some things are going to benefit you greatly and some things are going to grow you greatly. This was just a growing opportunity. It was a growing opportunity. I love it, man. I mean, you take it in stride. I, it's, it's very impressive to me um, over our conversation so far that that was, um, you can have that outlook on something that is that intense. As you said, you didn't get caught up in the hype of the Olympics, but everybody else did. You know, we got to be honest about that. So it's, it's incredible that you were able to do that. And, you know, as you said, I do believe um, I'm not in everything happens for a reason, but everything has a reason that it happened. Um, so I really do. I really do believe in that. And clearly it was something that was necessary to put you just to continue on the path that you're going or, or put you down the right path to, to where you're going now. I truly, truly believe that. So it is what it is we were over it and we've moved on. As we've said, you've, you've done some incredible things already. Uh, 2017 and 2018 U S open runner up two years in a row getting second place does not sound like it sits too well with you. Um, 
what what were those like was it the same guy both times uh no u.s open yeah no it, the first time it was the first time it was a guy that lost to at the olympic trials ah okay well then that kind of he he can't really you can't say much that like he beat you fair and square that time right fair and square then you know that is what it is i guess fair and square and i'm okay with that get better exactly the second guy the second guy i took second to i that's the same guy i beat in final x so he oh. beat me at the U.S. Open, mm-hmm. and then I beat him at Final X. Which Best one came first? Three. The U.S. Open. Oh, The U.S. Cool. Open came first. Uh-huh. He beat me. He sits out in the Final X because he won the, U- the U.S. Open. Now I have to wrestle another tournament. I win the ne- that tournament, and then I wrestled him best two out of three he beat me the first match and i beat him the next two matches nice i love it so can you actually explain that what exactly is final x and how what is its um association with the u.s open yeah so so it is a little bit complicated (laughs) so we got a minute i'm gonna do my best to uncomplicate you're good you're good so anybody who places in the world they they want to favor the best guys they want to mm-hmm. favor the, the world the guys who are making noise on the world level so if you have placed in the world top three you sit out in the final x so the guys who the guys who won a medal in 2018 they all all of them sit out in final x to wrestle best two out of three uh, the, the best guy coming through the U.S. Open and, and the World Team Trials. Okay, Now, if it is a case that there is a weight class without a medalist in the world, whoever wins the U.S. Open, they now become the guy. Mm-hmm. They now become the number one guy, and they now sit in the final X. And so then everyone else has to wrestle a mini tournament and the, the trials to wrestle off that person. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, if it is the case that there is a medalist at your weight class sitting out in the final X and you win the U.S. Open, then that person sits out in the, the finals of the World Team Trials. So then there's a mini tournament, and then they wrestle off best two out of three in that finals. Only to whoever wins that best two out of three wrestle off best two out of three in final X. All right. That last part is where I got a little lost, but I think I had it up until that point. So it's like a really weird double elimination tournament. It sounds like it's essentially a really weird like double a elimination, weird, wacky exactly. double. So you have this bracket over here and whoever wins, they kind of get put up on a pedestal and then everyone's like, Hey, let's just do it again. And then, <laughs> then they go up to the top unless there was medalists, as you were saying before, that's super interesting. Um, little complicated and convoluted, but it sounds like it makes for some really cool matches towards the end when having all these two out of three matches. That's probably some really intense stuff. So I can understand why they did it, but I don't fully understand exactly what it is, and I apologize. I, it was that second part when I started to get a little little lost. Most people don't, and most people yeah. are confused. So. I think you did a great job explaining it. I think I just kind of lost it. So killer job. Thank you for that. So you lose to him, and then you beat him. Yeah. What was that feeling like? Understanding that, like, well, first understanding that maybe you should have beat him the first time and then understanding, like, nope, it's cool. I got him this time. Yes. So, interesting story. Going back to 2016, oh. I wrestled him. Let's Tarantino this stuff. <laughs> We're all over the place. Here. Fiction. Let's go, buddy. <laughs> Let's go. We are – we're in 2016 
I actually wrestled him in 2016 at the Olympic trials. I beat him at the Olympic trials, um, 10 to zero. Whoa. Yeah. And then I had a, a year or just an off year, honestly, just a bad year. And he beat me two times, two times that year. Mm-hmm. Then I wrestled him at the U.S. Open. And I was winning by six points. And then he came back and beat me mm-hmm. three times. Okay. So we're three to one right now. Three to one. Then we go to final X. He beats me the first round. Mm-hmm. Then I come back and beat him. Mm-hmm. So season series is f- three to four. Yes. So he's still got your number technically. I mean, you did win final X, but the th- thing i would say is that the way in which i did beat him the last especially the last match mm-hmm. my first match and especially our last match our last meeting um i beat him in a minute and like 21 seconds whoa yeah so you just kind of took him apart what happened in that first match of the three then um he's got god it sounds like yeah i just didn't wrestle i I didn't wrestle well Mm -hmm. um and as the matches progressed yeah talked about it getting better Mm -hmm. every single time we get better i love it so yeah by the end it it's pretty clear that you're you're uh you're a little bit better than he is and I, i love that man i think that's incredible how you can continue to have this growth mindset even on like that that's one of the things that impresses me most about about you and, and other athletes like having a growth mindset when you're number one in the world like now you're not hunting it's very easy to have a growth mindset when you're hunting but when you're right. the hunt did it's, it's usually from a defensive position and it sounds like no i'm not defending anything i'm just continuing to sprint further ahead of my own shadow so no one can even catch me i'm not i'm not being hunted because they can't even see me um, so I think that that's really like, it's incredible. Like I wish more people were, I wish I was like you and had that opportunity. I like to think of myself as a slightly hard worker. Um, but clearly I am not even in the same stratosphere as you are. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully I can learn a little bit something from this and I hope everyone else listening can understand. We only get one shot. You might as well take full advantage of this stuff. So I think it's incredible. Um, so then uh, uh, please. Yeah. I mean, we, I would say, I would say that you're using the running, running thing again, we want to get to a point where we are running against our own shadows. Mm-hmm. When you realize you get so far ahead that it is only you and your shadow. And then you realize, wait a second, I'm my greatest opponent. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, people, realize, people are training for other people. Don't train for other people. Train to be yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, again, I, I now would say I think every single person is given – given what they're given and to, to whom much is given, much is required. And Mm -hmm. there are certain things that we, through our experiences where there's like, if it were the case that I didn't talk to you and receive some impartation of knowledge, wisdom, understanding that if I had not spoken to you, I probably would not have gotten that. And so there's, there's, and then it's the same for me and same for anybody else that we learn things in our experience that only we know and only we have. And that gives us great value because now if we don't become that understanding or that knowledge, then the world is going to miss out on a great piece of, of, of understanding and a key to even unlocking themselves and knowing themselves in a deeper way. So I would say that I value your experience and your skills just as much as 
um, I wouldn't even value my own. I appreciate that, Nishan. Thank you. Welcome. You're going to make such a great keynote speaker. I can't wait to. We're going to crush it. This is going to be awesome. All right. This is going to be easy too, I think. So, <laughs> all right. Get ready, to, get ready to make a dollar in the next couple of years. I promise you that. Um, all right. Sweet. So I, I actually didn't even have it written down here. I did not know. So you tore your pectoral. You said a lot more. You, you tore your pec after Final X, correct? Yes. If I have the timeline correct, going through that whole convoluted system. So you won Final X and then you ended up tearing your pec before world championships and for many people that don't understand world championships is huge in your sport right like there's the olympics and world championships is essentially the same competition just without the media hype correct exactly so what is that again something is being taken away from you obviously again who do you blame i always like to blame myself for everything that way i can fix it um what was that like? I mean, that just has to be so devastating knowing that you're so close to one of the pinnacles and really then just kind of not having it taken away from you, but essentially just kind of having to sit on the sideline and being like, well, what are you going to do? Mm. People who experience injustice in this life, in my opinion, become the creditors of the next life mm-hmm. or creditors of the world. Why? Because people who experience injustice have to learn how to forgive. You have to learn how to overcome. You have to learn how to judge rightly. You learn through negation, which is essentially you learn through what it's not supposed to be, mm-hmm. how you want to, how you want to be. Absolutely. So if you've been judged unrighteously, you'll know what an unrighteous judgment feels like. So hopefully you become a righteous judge. And when you experience injustice, it's the same thing. I've experienced injustice to the point where I no longer, I no longer want to or desire to be unjust to other people. So now all of a sudden my heart, my soul, my mind is changing because of this t- experience that I had. Mm-hmm. So I've been transformed by, by this, this thing. Even though it's a terrible thing, I've been transformed. And now I'm using this bad experience or this thing that I went through, this injustice, I would call it. Um, and now I'm being transformed and now I'm a creditor and now I can lend, you know, my experience to other people, what I've learned to other people. So then you become good. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, to take it, I mean, again, I really love how heavy this conversation is. You have such a (laughs) unique and interesting, vision and focus and and not to take it to a slightly lighter place but the way I learned how to drive was doing everything opposite that my mom did because I think she's a terrible driver so I learned okay don't do this 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 or this and it turns out now I'm a pretty good driver in my opinion so um no just to your point I, I learned by what not to do as well in most cases I kind of need to make that failure and see like well that did not work um because in my mind if it slightly works I, I don't have the same focus or discipline as you in it. And that's why you're probably going to the Olympics and I'm not maybe, but I don't have that same focus or drive of chasing my shadow or, or racing against my shadow. I do still fall into that latter group of, you no, know, it's, it's me against my bills. It's me against, you know, this person, it's me against, you know, some arbitrary thing. And I'm not doing that to the full extent when I could just be facing against myself. Um, which as you've already said, and we've all kind of agreed is we're our own worst enemy. We're our biggest rival, our biggest opponent. So I think that's pretty incredible that you've been able to take such a awful thing um, and really utilize it. And it sounds like you're taking full advantage of this utilization. And I think that that's, 
that's incredible. And um, so are you fully healed, fully recovered, good to go? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Fully healed. Um, oh, I guess getting ready to comp compete. Okay. Um, using it, pull ups, push ups, mm -hmm. lifted weights. Did pull ups the first time in six and a half months today. Hey, uh, what a great day to have this podcast on. Woo! -hoo. All right. right, love it. And uh, you know, lifted weights for the first time in six and a half months today. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm I'm getting to that point. And yeah, now it's just about getting competition ready, get my mm -hmm. mind right, get my body. Uh, to where I wanted to be. And yeah, I mean, what I would say is everyone, everyone is chasing their shadow in some way. Their shadow could be beating them. Mm -hmm. But everyone is, we are competing against ourselves in some way. We just might be losing. And that's why we don't realize that it's competition. That <laughs> I'm definitely losing against my shadow. Um, but I love that, man. <laughs> I love that. So congratulations on getting healthy uh, and getting back to um, you know, hopefully getting back to where you were and then significantly passing that. It sounds like you're going to utilize that moving forward. Currently number one in the United States for 61 kilograms. So I think that that's incredible. Let's not shy away from that. You're literally the best in the country of, I don't know, 300, 400 million people at something. I think that that is incredible. Um, so congratulations on that, man. So uh, just a couple more things. I know we've been doing this for a little while, but I've been having an absolute blast. So I hope your dinner is not getting too cold on you. Um, 2020, uh, obviously it's 2019. We're halfway through. What, A, is the qualification process like, and what do you need to do? I mean, you're number one in the country at something, so I assume that gives you not preferential treatment, but a, a very clear sight and a clear line. What do you need to do to make it to the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo? Uh, what do I need to do to make the 2020? Well, I need to win the U.S. Open. Okay. And then the and final then, X. And then I need to win the World Team Trials. Okay. And then I need to win the final X. Wow. And then that's how you go to the Olympic games. And that's how I go to the Olympic games. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, and then just so, just to go back on that whole system that we were talking about, even if you obviously we're not going to lose the Olympic trials, we know that that's obvious. You're supposed to win somebody else that does lose to you in the Olympic or the, the U S trials. I apologize. They then still have the opportunity to wrestle in that other mini tournament to then try and get to the, world team trials and then if they even lose there they still have the opportunity to lose and, and go to final x correct only no. one person comes out one. of trials okay okay i apologize all right okay interesting so yeah you pretty much just have to win it all yes love it you gotta prove it mm -hmm. and how how do you what's your what's your confidence level pretty high right now i mean i have no reason to not feel confident in my skills and abilities and the things that I've been working on. Even with being sidelined for as long as you have been, I know you've been using it as a motivator, but there's no little, you know, no little voice in the back of your head saying like, Hey, you were kind of injured. Yeah. No, the voice is definitely there. Um, and we're, we are having very cordial conversations, having with very cordial conversations with each other. I, I, I think, I'm gonna ghost the person soon, and ah, uh, sometimes they deserve yeah, it. Sometimes they deserve it, and yeah. So I think I think we'll be done with that sooner sooner than later. Um, at the end of the day, you have to feel confident in the things that you're doing, though. Um, even if it, it's the case that, even if it's the case that you don't feel the best, or you may have an off day, you have to feel confident 
in a general sense of are you eating right are you lifting weights or are you doing some kind of strength and conditioning are you focusing on your technique are you getting the live minutes in are you getting the wrestling are you getting the technique are you working with the coaches are you asking questions are you watching video that that stuff built confidence and so i have no reason not to be in my opinion and so, i made a game yeah no, no 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 keep going and i made a world team last year and I did it in, in style and fashion. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to prove myself uh, at the world at the world championships. But um, that's got to count for something. You know? Absolutely, got to count for something. And um, I don't ride the high of, of what has happened in the past. But we talked about it. If I mm -hmm. plateau out, then then that's a bad place to be. Mm -hmm. So I can only think in my heart and my mind that I'm I've done enough and will be have will have done enough by the time that it's, uh, it's ready to be the person that I'm, that I need to be. I love it. And, and so the, the question I was going to ask, and I mean, obviously it's, it's very, there's a very common theme here with you and, and, and what this conversation has been about that we're not plateauing. You're either getting better or getting worse. So you might as well just choose to get better because you have that opportunity in front of you. And back in 2016, when you had that pretty much just like year from hell where you ended up going undefeated, what you said was you put yourself through every of the worst possible situations. Is that is that something you still do or is that something you're getting prepared to do in the run up to 2020 to make sure that, you know, like Doctor Strange did in Infinity War, he went through all the possibilities of everything. So that way there is no fear. It is just purely, no, this is what I'm going to do because I saw all the wrong things that can happen. Now I can know all the right things. Man, we are connecting dots all over the place. This is awesome. You now know you you now know all the good things that can possibly happen, and only the good things, and or no, you know all the right wrong things, so you know not what to do. So is that is that your training regimen all the time? Like, are you just constantly putting yourself through hell, or was that like a one time thing where you're like, this is the only way I can do it? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm always putting myself in situations that are uncomfortable. And I think that unless you go to those uncomfortable, dark places, then you'll never, you're, you're not, you're not giving yourself a fair chance. You're not giving yourself a fair shot of, of simulating what you're going to experience. Well, you're in a, a crowd of, of thousands, hundreds, thousands of people watching you on a stage where it's just you and another person in a, in a thin singlet, you know, I mean, we won't even go to the details of, of, of anything else like that but it's like it's you're we're talking about you have to put yourself in those moments if you don't prepare for those kind of things and then, then you you will show that you did mm -hmm. not prepare for those things mm -hmm. if you don't show up prepared then you will show that you did not show up prepared it sounds like you're still putting yourself through every possible situation. And I think, as you said, we've already talked about a little bit, that's the only, literally the only way to do it um, because then you know exactly what can't happen or what can't go wrong so that you can do all the right things. Um, Nishan, just a couple more topics. I promise we'll get you out of here in a minute. Um, one I thing I know, space and opportunity. Say that again. I said, I got number space and opportunity. I appreciate this. Thank you. Oh, dude, I appreciate you're the one that's going to be in the Olympics and I'm going to watch you on TV. I'm just going to be the dude sitting behind this microphone, hopefully crossing my fingers for the rest of my life. I love, this is literally my favorite part of every day. So thank you for, for, you know, the only thing we don't get more of is time. We can get more of everything else. You don't get more time. So I sincerely appreciate you giving me some of yours. Um, one thing I always like to ask athletes about um, now understanding what's necessary for the 2020 games is the monetary aspects of being a Team USA member. Um, obviously, you're not an Olympic member. You've been or not not 
you didn't go to the Olympics, so I don't know how that might differ. Um, but from your standpoint, obviously, we don't want to know how many dollars you make. But I always want people to understand that, you know, Michael Phelps, Sean White, they deserve every dollar they get. I would never want to take something out of their pocket, but they're absolutely the exception to the rule. They are not the rule. Um, so what experiences and what, what thoughts and feelings can you kind of just give us a little bit? We don't have to get super deep on it uh, unless you want to. Um, like what, what do you feel about the, the monetary aspects, especially in a sport like wrestling where it's the reason the Olympics started essentially, but it really doesn't get too much love to stateside. So the funding and the, the viewership isn't super high. So I have to assume the dollars that come with it are in comparison or in correlation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm, well, the only thing I can, the only thing I could really say about that is this, I, I feel, and I mean, we can even, it, this can go in wow, many different directions. Like we can even talk about like the, the idea of should college athletes get paid? Right. I mean, yes, but I agree. That's a, no, that's a, that's that, another that's hour a and a half different, long podcast. Right. <laughs> so, so, but if, if we kind of, if we kind of start in those kind of directions and with that kind of idea, right. You're, we're talking about essentially, we're talking about a job that's being done here. Absolutely. Right. We're talking about a job that, that is more than just, you know, writing down on a piece of paper, more than just typing on a computer, more than just, you know, and not that I'm, you know, diminishing or, or belittling any of those kind of things. Right. But we're talking about like a full bodied, full self, completely hundred percent of yourself and not just your mind, not just your hands, not just your fingers. We're talking about all of yourself. We're talking about training. We're talking about strength conditioning. We're talking about building your body. We're talking about strengthening your mind. We're talking about diet, nutrition, psychology, all of these different things in, in one, in one piece. And, and especially with the sport of wrestling, right? Which, you know, if you're a wrestler and you're trying to do this for the money, you're not going to last long, right? Because they're, they're, we're not talking, we're not getting rich doing these kind of things, right? And everything that we have, and we, and thankfully, we have guys like, you know, my, one of my sponsors out here is, is Art, Art Martori. And guys, and he's fun, helps fund the Sunkiss Club. And, and I have people in, in my life, and we have people around the sport who are willing to help. And th these guys have been impacted by the sport, that they're willing to help and, and, and give money. And, and, you know, of course, you have, the, the colleges where, you know, you got boosters and all these kind of things. But as far as a, a person making a living in this, in this, I think, I think we have a ways to go, but I think that those developments have to be, have to be started earlier. Mm -hmm. I think those developments have to be started earlier. And I, and again, like, you know, the questions come up on the docket, like, should we pay NCAA wrestlers or should we, or should we pay anybody in the NCAA to do what they're going to do? Right. And then, you know, you kind of wonder, you know, all these sports are generating so much money, so much audience, so much revenue. And, you know, and are these, are they just being used? You know, are they just being used to create and generate revenue for whatever, you know? And so, and at the end of the day, all you get is a, you know, a pat on the butt and, you know, good job, you know, mm -hmm. congratulations. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I guess that's where I stand on it mm -hmm. so, so yeah. far. And, and I mean, so any kind of endorsements, any sponsorships, any kind of thing where we are able to work with, with people who want to work with us, who have a passion or desire. And that's, 
um, you know, people like you and on podcasts and people who, who make shirts and people who are good at designing things and people, who, you know, who have a clothing line and people who, you know, are artistic and skillful and, and or even people who, you know, have the money and, and maybe don't want to get taxed on it. You know, it's like, you know, help a brother out, you know, uh-huh. help, help a sister out, you know, like we're, we're, we're doing something that, that we believe in and we're trying to represent, you know, our country by doing it. And, um, yeah, I mean, does it have its value? It does. It, is it as valued as it could be? I mean, that's, I don't know. That's up. That's up for debate. Um, but no, I, I, I totally agree. And considering, you know, getting to know you a little bit over this last little, little bit amount of time, I, I love that you're representing our country and, and I appreciate that. And, you know, as you were saying, not to degrade people that type on a computer or, or, or push a pencil or papers. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody's job is, is necessary in some way, shape or form, but your job never literally never ends it's what you eat for breakfast it's when you wake up it's when you go to the gym it's how you recover it's how you train it's how you eat it's it's literally every single portion of your life is tied to your job not many people can say that other than athletes not many people not many athletes can say that unless they're extremely high level elite athletes at at the type of um you know in the in the type of atmosphere stratosphere that you are in uh so i think it's it's incredible what you're willing to do for yourself your passion but also to represent your country and and you know i i understand you know viewership brings dollars like we all understand how business works but the fact that many are of our olympic athletes live below the poverty line many of our team usa athletes live below the poverty line to me is is ridiculous it makes no sense um i'm not going to sit here and accuse the usoc of all the things that everybody already knows they do because that's just a it's a fight on deaf ears it doesn't matter but the fact that that money never really makes it down to the athletes is just very confusing to me. And, and I'm not, again, not asking for every athlete to be a millionaire. I think that's infeasible, obviously. But cost of living to, to maybe have a slight amount of savings after you're done putting yourself through this for the last 15 to 20 years, I think isn't really that much to ask. So thank you for going deep on that. I really do appreciate it. Um, we'll kind of just, you know, if anybody does want to have Nashon as a representation to their company because clearly he's really, really good at what he does and is also a really, really cool person. I think that that's important. And if anyone wants to reach out to him, I think he would really love that. Um, and then you, you mind if I share something else with that too? It's like, think about it. Like we're, we're talking about, we're talking about athletes, people who put themselves through, through toil and pain and hardship and who are, are really mental giants in, in what, in, in the things that they're doing athletically you do we not see that this is going to transfer over into business mm-hmm. that this is going to transfer over into other areas of their life and so it's like in my opinion putting you know money in, in their pockets is going to be more helpful than less helpful because we've been through the struggle we know what it's like we know what it's like to we know good nutrition is important we know all these different things we want to be able to help and again through our experience like if we have the funds and the finance we're, we if we can do this we can do anything if you can exactly. be an elite level athlete then you can do anything and you'll be successful at it and you can help a lot of people and i think that there's a lot of athletes out there who uh when they're done and when their career is over and when my career is over you know at the end of the day you there's a there's a quote by um jim Rohn. um i have it up here on my board it says this is find a way to service the many service to many leads to greatness so right now, my service to many is being the best person and being the best wrestler that I can possibly be. At some point in time, 
um, I'm going to move away from this, this sport, not necessarily the sport in general, but wrestling at least. And I'm going to find another way to service the many because in my life, I can't be less than, than what I was created for. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Being a service uh, servant leader. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's a popular buzzword now, but I think it is truly, um, truly the way to go by helping people and doing what you can for them. And, and for you, that is representing our country on one of the biggest stages possible and becoming the best that you can possibly be. I think everybody can really take a lesson from that. And I, and I totally agree, man. I'm, I'm not kidding. Um, we're going to, we're going to get you on a, on a speaking circuit. I'm really excited about that. So let me just know some of your free dates you got coming up and we'll get some stuff rocking and rolling. Um, awesome. so you, um, you brought up uh, the life after as well. And, I, and that's actually something, you know, after your sport, that's something I always like to give the athlete an opportunity, the athlete, you obviously this time, but anybody that's been on the show about halfway through, someone's like, Hey, ask me about what I want to do after. And I was like, that's a really good point. So now I always try and do that and, and give you the opportunity. So what, and I know you live every day. It seems like day by day and you look maybe like, what do I have to do tomorrow? What do I get to do tomorrow? Um, but what, what is the, you went to Cornell, obviously. I know that was like an hour and a half ago in the conversation, but you went to Cornell. You're clearly a very smart person. What is the, what is the after? Because obviously we understand athletes' careers come, come sooner and sooner than everybody else's, unfortunately, because biology. Um, so what is the, what is the, the post-career career for Nation? Post-career career. Well, at this point in time, I – am learning I'm learning what I can during this time because I have the freedom to learn and do what I need to do so mm-hmm. obviously being an athlete and being I work out two times a day sometimes three times a day um, four or five times really five five times a week um, an off day here maybe a half a half a day here just for rest and recovery because it's essential important um, so during my days I'm learning and I'm constantly coming up and creating new ideas. I don't know if it's an entrepreneurship. I don't know if it's business minded and, but I, I've found myself last week. I took a week off. I had been going on a, uh, essentially a six week cycle. I was supposed to compete at the trials. I decided not to do so because I, I didn't feel like I was ready. I didn't feel like my, my, I felt, I didn't feel like I was ready. I just wasn't ready to compete. And I took the week off and, and as my mind was kind of settling down, as I was coming to a, to a place of, of peace in a sense, in my mind, in my body, I started working on some different things. I started working on, um, so, so I, I just recently picked up a, a, a little side business that I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm doing Herbalife right now. And nice. uh, so I'm an Herbalife distributor and then, you know, I just help people get, you know, get, get fit and, and you can have a nutritious and well, I don't know, part of their life. And that's, that's that I enjoy that. I really enjoy that because I think there's a lot of people, especially within the sport of wrestling, we're talking about mastering. I want to help people master the weight cut, but I don't want them to suffer because they have to cut weight because weight cutting weight is a part of the sport. But a lot of people don't have any good nutritional aspects to how they're going to do that. You know, if you're eating McDonald's and drinking Coke and, and, and doing all this kind of stuff and not that anything against McDonald's, well, I would get burger every now and then, you know, it's the 80, 20, you know, stay on the diet, 80, 20, mm-hmm. but you know, you got this thing where, um, I just want, I want to be able to help. And so I'm actually using the business just to, to sow into young men. And I once asked myself, where are all the wise youth at? Where are the wise people in the world? Where's, where's, where are these people at? And, and I figured, you know, well, um, I have just my experience and I'd love to pour and, and share 
what I can into people, you know? And so that, that's, that's, I use this as a platform to help people become better versions of themselves. And I say, you know, worst case scenario, you become a better version of yourself. You get to learn from somebody who's an elite athlete. Um, you get to learn nutritional values and, and skills and even business tactics that might help you later on in life. That's the worst case scenario. You get to be a better, best version of yourself. Best case scenario, you get to help people become better versions of themselves just by you being a better, better version of yourself. So at the end of the day, like you're going to be reproducing uh, goodness and positivity and wellness in, in the lives of other people. And so, so that's a little bit of it right now. Um, I don't know where it exactly looks, and, mm-hmm. but I know it has to do with encouraging, mentoring, speaking, building up, teaching, leading, and just being authentic and allowing, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, using that platform to and using my experience to, to help people. And I have my fiance in there too, and we have a, a whole long story. I could tell you an hour and a half long story about how we met. And and she's a you know PhD student right now, and she's she's getting her PhD in social welfare at UPenn right now. Oh, and got a couple of Ivy League students up in this joint, huh? That's right. That's right. And so she uh, she's doing well. And so we're we're gonna do whatever we feel like we whatever we feel like God is telling us to do. Whatever we feel like God is telling us to do, we're we're gonna do it. So yeah, wherever we feel led, and that's that's what we want. I love it, man. This is a, this has been incredible, Nishan. Thank you so so much. I, I am not kidding when I say this was easily one of my favorite um, favorite interviews I've ever done. So thank you again. As I said before, time is the only thing we don't get more of, uh, and you were gracious enough to give me some of yours, so I sincerely appreciate it. Um, that, that's about it for me, man. Nashawn Garrett, USA Wrestling 2020 hopeful, 2016 NCAA champion with a 37-0 record, graduated from Cornell, wise amongst his age, 2018 Final X champion. Sincerely, dude, this was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you having me on the show. and best of luck and best wishes to to your career and the things that you're doing uh with with this podcast i appreciate that but i think um i think we got some cool stuff coming up you and i so we'll see how that goes but thank you so much man excellent but can i say one last thing yeah record's still going we're good okay cool time time um we have we we don't have a lot of time here but I, I think one of the reasons I, I feel like I can be gracious with my time is because I have all I have all the time in eternity, and so this is I, I, I'm an eternal being. So we got we got time. We got time. I love it, man, and I appreciate that. Thank you. So I like that. that that's a great way. We'll call it there. Thank you so much, Nation. <laughs> Thank you. Bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Nation Garrett. As I said, super wise, super experienced, just super all around great great human being so again very i don't want to keep saying super over and over again right very very grateful i had the opportunity to speak with him and and hear his story and hear what he's going through and hear what he's been through and, and what he plans on going through and how hopefully i will be able to help him in some way shape or form and i'm just very happy that i got to meet him and uh you know can start to be able to call him a friend and develop a relationship with him he's an incredible person so um all of his socials are in the show notes so please check those out Please follow us as well. All of our information is in the show notes. Check out the new website, ourathletes.us. Love it, love it, love it. Um, And also, thank you to everyone who has listened. We are over 10,000 downloads worldwide, which I think is absolutely incredible um, that there are that many people that are interested in these athletes' stories, and I want more people. So if you have an iPhone, 
that's where most of the listeners come from. If you could please subscribe us, uh, subscribe to us if you haven't already, and then also give us five stars. Um, the more five star reviews that we have, the more people will see, hear, and find this podcast, only to increase our reach a little bit more to get these stories out in front of more and more people. Because as you've heard, all these stories are incredible, and I love every single one of them, and I'm so happy that I've had that opportunity. So thank you all so much. Um, please let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Email me, michael at ourathletes.us. I love to be of service in any way, shape, or form. And other than that, I hope you can make it a wonderful day.